back to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name's Farhan, also known as Gunner Since 96. And as always, joining me here this evening is Adam Keyes. Adam, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, first question. Is signing David Raya a good thing? Yes. Have Arsenal had a successful pre-season in the States? Yes. And finally, will Rice play against Monaco? Yes. Okay, good stuff. That was pretty straightforward. All questions answered with a yes, <laughs> which, which is what we like. You know, that's the whole Absolutely. point of a, of a one-word answer. Um, Adam, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. So, strange day today with the, obviously, the David Raya news kind of came out of nowhere and has blown up Twitter as expected. Yeah, and also may I say you're sounding as crisp as ever. Um, we've just finally discovered the the button to change the mic option. <laughs> so we had a comment come from one of our listeners saying, great pod as usual, guys, but Adam's sound is a little bit quiet. Can we do something about that? And we have. So Adam's bought this mic ages ago, and I think we've, we've had it on a few times, haven't we, where... Um, yeah, we, yeah. The, the mic's been set up properly, but up until now, I think we've just been using the default kind it's of... It's been dropping off. So yeah. yeah so. It is sounding really nice now. I do feel quite good to hear. therapeutic right now, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, you know, I have to say today's pod, um, a little bit of a strange one because I wasn't, I didn't mentally prepare myself to record tonight. I, 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 I thought we would just go... Um, we've got a special guest on Wednesday for the Emirates Cup. Um, so I prepared myself to just uh, skip to that one. And Adam, you rightfully messaged me uh, with the question. Are we recording tonight? Because I hadn't said anything. Um, yeah, yeah, and then obviously the, the rare news happened and it's gone from quite a quiet Arsenal day to a very, very noisy one. Right, right, exactly. Um, yeah, not to mention, you know, the, the whole week it's been pretty quiet. Um, other than the Barcelona game, we haven't heard much in terms of transfers. Um, there's been a, f- a little tidbits um, in the background, but on a whole, I think it's probably been the most the, the quietest week we've had um, since the windows opened. Yeah, pretty much. I would say over the last couple, I think basically we've got the three big signings done and the focus is very much on the football and then getting some of the players out the door so hopefully we start seeing a few exits because we do have a very bloated squad at this point as well so I think the club will want to get a few players out the door and we are starting to see the odd rumor here and there obviously Matt Turner could be off to Forest and so on so well, maybe maybe we can have a look at the team actually and give our thoughts on who needs to um, take the boot for one of a better term. Uh, should we start by doing that, and then we can we can talk about Raya um, yeah. afterwards. This would be a good way actually to start off the show because we are a week away from the Emirates Cup. No, the Emirates Cup. Sorry, the Community Shield, which you and I will be attending, and. Emirates Cups on Wednesday. Um, and then after that, the first league game of the season is, well, I think we're two weeks away, aren't we? Yeah, two weeks away. Well, not even, 13 days. So we've got our, we play on the Saturday. Mm. So so yeah, we're, we're quickly hurtling towards that first game. But yeah, with the squad, um, Rory Talksball did a really good graph, a list of our squad the other day and put it on Twitter. And I didn't realize just how big the squad was until I saw it written down in this. He's basically put starting 11 subs and then extras, and it shows how many players that we've got at this point. So it's clear that we do need to get a few few names out the door. Yeah. And 
can we do it in the positional format? So can we look at the yeah, absolutely. Each, each individual positions and then we can talk through how many of those we've got and how many we need. Um, starting off with the goalkeepers, we've got five in the first team, which is like ridiculous to think that we're going to sign another one as well. Um, let's talk about them. Aaron Ramsdale, Alex Runison, Matt Turner, Carl Hine and Arthur Okonkwo. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, well, the rumours are very much that Aquanquo will go this summer. So that was announced, I think it was Romano announced that a couple of weeks ago, which I was a bit surprised at because the reports of him, it's Sterngratz he was at, wasn't it? Um, mm. He was doing very well. He had a good season there. and But you've got him and Carl Hein, who are both very, very similar in age. I think there's only a few months between them. Um, Heinz, an international goalkeeper, plays regularly for Estonia. And again, he had a decent loan spell from what I've read. So you, you've got two very young keepers. And then the one that's really come out of nowhere, whereas Matt Turner may be going to Forest. So it looks like that could be a loan with an obligation to buy, which I would imagine is possibly down to the amount of money Forest spent last year that they maybe have to be careful with FFP. Yeah, yeah. And is if it's to be believed that Matt Turner's gone, um, Okonkwo's gone, I don't know what Carl Hines still doing here, but I think he'll probably go out. I mean, why would he go out on loan? How old is he now? He's he's 21. Right. So he, he needs to go, really, doesn't he? And Yeah, I mean, I mean, for a keeper, that's still very young. He, he only turned 21 in April. So... Mm. You could have another two, even three loan spells before breaking into a team like Arsenal's. It's just whether the club see him as being a good enough option to actually get to that point. And if they don't, it makes sense to sell him now because there's no guarantee that you make more money in a few years' time. And it keeps cash coming into the club and enables us to spend in other areas. Yeah, Matt Turner's 29 years old. Um, now, this news, I mean, before we proceed with the other positions in the pitch, on the pitch, sorry, it's probably a good idea to discuss the David Rea um, link and what it means for that part of the squad. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale comfortably is set as the number one. Maybe that's the key buzzword here, isn't it? Comfortably. And maybe the reason why um, we're signed, we, we, you know, if it's to believe that we're going to uh, put a bid in for David Rea. Now, m- many of you will know that Arsenal's um, initially, when before we signed Rams, though, our favourite, our go to, our first choice was David Rea. And yeah, we had, I think we had two bids rejected as well. Right, exactly. Um, and it, I think he was quite happy to come to Arsenal, but yeah, or, or was he? I feel like yeah, I'm... it was when when Brentford were still a championship team. That's mm. when we first looked at Raya, and I think he would have liked the move. That was what the report said. But I think Arsenal offered around ten million, and he's obviously become a much better player since then, just with the experience he's gained in, over the last two years in the Prem, and he, he's really come on. He, he's now a top top keeper. So. Honestly, it's a one that I find very strange just because my gut's saying that maybe Arteta doesn't have full faith in Ramsdale because the athletic report says very much that he's coming. Arsenal want him to compete for number one with Ramsdale. It's not want him and as a second choice keeper. It's, it was very clear that line of want him to compete for number one. Which with Ramsdale just getting a new contract, he's had a shaky preseason. He had a mixed end the last season, and like I personally love Ramsdale, and I think at this point he's a slightly better keeper. This is just my opinion than Raya, but I, I guess I haven't watched enough of Raya in the way I watch Ramsdale every game. So. But Ramsdale is also someone that very much divides opinion. We know he does make mistakes and a lot of Arsenal fans don't think he's good enough. So this is an interesting one. I just find it difficult to see Arsenal spending 40 million on a keeper 
to come in and be happy playing cup games. It's just, it just doesn't add up to me. Yeah, it's a strange one. It is really weird because, I mean, I, and I was having a discussion on Twitter with a few Arsenal fans who were making the case that, well, this is a great bit of business because, it number one, it gives Ramsdale competition. Number two, uh, some go as far as to believe that Reyes better than Ramsdale. Um, I'm yeah, very much, a lot of people say that. Yeah, but I'm very much of the opinion that... Um, Squad harmony, finding the right balance, finding the right chemistry levels, uh, you know, are far more important than having good players or really good players um, in in, in all different departments, uh, including the bench. The problem that I see, that I foresee potentially happening is having two um, really good goalkeepers who deserve to be playing first team football not being able to play first team football because one of them will inevitably, um, you know, win the battle uh, over yeah. the over the other, and 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 I guess this this is what we want, and I I, I also you know uh, I also believe that healthy competition is great, but what happens when that competition is won? What happens when the winner gets to play first team football, and the loser sits on the bench? Um, I just, I'm just afraid of seeing a scenario where the, you know, the 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 latter, the player who, um, unfortunately doesn't come out on top, is disgruntled, is rightly pissed off, upset that he's not getting enough game time, and we know yeah. what can happen when you've got even one player who is annoyed, who's upset, who's not happy. You know, we've we've done such a great job of making sure that everyone is kept satisfied and everyone is, you know, invested in this project. Um, I just fear to see, you, you know, what, what, what it was like having, um, you know, the days of, you know, your Aubameyangs, your Lacazettes, uh, etc. Uh, I would hate to have those days return. Yeah. And I think with the, with like goalkeepers, the, the big thing, obviously, we, you've already mentioned about some people saying that they think Ray is better than Ramsdale. I think the other way, but I also think there's very, there's just, there's not much in it. Mm. And obviously Ray is playing for Brentford who play in a very different way to Arsenal, very big gap in quality between, between the two sides. And so how you play in goal for a top team versus how you're playing in a mid-table side like Brentford are different. And their two keepers just on a very similar level. Reyes 27, Ramsdale's 25. So again, age-wise, you're talking about two keepers that could be playing for the next 10 years. So they're very close in age. And I, the other thing about a keeper is you don't change your keeper very often. You, that's a position that you want yeah. real stability. And same with your centre backs. It, Pep's really the only manager that changes that area much. But so it means if you've got two great strikers, you can change that position almost weekly. You can bring one on for 30 minutes at the end of a game and so on. As a keeper, when you're a backup keeper, you just don't get that. So Ultimately, look, if if we sign Raya and he happens to be better than Ramsdale, happy days. I'm all for that. Mm. And I think Arteta has shown how ruthless that he is, that he wants the players that he thinks will win us the league, Champions League and so on. So he is he's like unbelievably ruthless. And I don't think he would have any loyalty to a particular player if he thought he could get someone better. And I think as fans, that's something that we probably need to start thinking more in that mindset. And I always get frustrated whenever we, you see on Twitter, it's, oh, shiny new toy syndrome. And because people become so attached to a certain player. And we've seen already the like the signings that we've made. I didn't think we needed Ramsdale when we bought him, but the level was very much increased because Ramsdale could play out from the back in the way Leno couldn't. And although I think there's things that Leno was better at than Ramsdale, but it changed our team for the better because Arteta was so ruthless with a keeper that was actually fairly solid for us. And 
that's something that we need to remember is he's not doing making these changes for the sake of it. There's clearly something very, very specific that he sees that it makes him want to upgrade each time. And as fans, we probably just need to be a little less protective of our favorite players. Well, what makes this even more strange is that both players have the same kind of profile. It's not as if we're signing, you know, a superstar shot stopper or an incredible um, distributor. They both have the same kind of qualities, both very decent at saving, uh, you know, shot stoppers, good reflexes. Um, Yeah, I would say Reyes probably slightly better with slightly right slightly yeah that's what i mean we're talking about as i said and as you just said there's fine margins between these two keepers it's not like there's a significant difference and there's also the 40 million fee that brentford wants so Mm. it, it just seems like a very strange one to me which is why i'm thinking but as I said, I love Ramsdale. I really rate him. I think he's come on leaps and bounds since he's been at the club. But this is just what my gut is saying about this move in that you don't go and spend $40 million on a, another keeper if you've got full faith. I get the competition. I get pushing someone, and I do think Ramsdale is a bit too comfortable in that number one position. Yeah. But this is still $40 million and it's at a time when... There are areas of the squad where we we still need a bit of depth, particularly for Saka, and um, so forty million on a keeper to me suggests that it's a bit more than just a backup. Yeah, and I look, I've got no issues with Ramsdale being, uh, you know, given a bit of competition because, as you mentioned, I think he's a bit too comfortable. We can see it in his game at the beginning when he first signed, when he came in. You could see the intensity and the concentration levels. Right now, it just seems like he's made himself at home. Everything's quite, um, you know, everything's really nice and comfortable um, for him. He signed a new deal as well. But yeah, <laughs> the, the, the the goalkeeping position for me has always been a stable position. It's always been a place of, um, it sets the tone for the rest of the players on the pitch because number one, familiar face. Number two, you build that relationship with your back line and having that relationship really helps to, you know, calm nerves, but also uh, build that kind of reassurance between yourselves. Um, so that, and, and I think that's one of the big reasons why we were able to play so well out from the back because you know who's there, you know, you, you know, he, who, you know how Ramsdale is going to be able to feed the ball to you or during um, pressurized moments, he's able to, you know, very calmly compose himself to um, ease that situation. Where, but if, if you have a situation now where you've got two goalkeepers who are constantly being chopped and changed, um, in my head as a fan, I'm, I'm looking at the pitch and I'm thinking, maybe a bit of chaos, um, maybe a little bit of, you know, confusion between the players could, could we, we could start to see that. Um, but ultimately, you know, I feel like Arteta does know what he's doing. Um, and if he decides that he wants to sign Rea, then who, who are we to kind of second, second guess that decision? Yeah, I mean, not many of his signings have been poor to date, so... Yeah. So, yeah, I think we we have to trust him. And as you mentioned very early on, this is a player that Arteta wanted before. And he he's had his eye on him for a couple of years. He's someone that we, we have bid for in the past. And the other thing to remember is Anaki Kana, the Arsenal goalkeeping coach, yeah. worked for Brentford. Mm-hmm. He coached David Rea. So it's not just that we're getting a player who's qualities Arteta knows and likes he's also got his goalkeeping coach knowing what the guy's character's like what his work rate's like his mentality all of those details that you can do as much research as you want but I guess you only really know that stuff when you start working with the person on a daily basis like how does he fit in with the squad what's his lifestyle like off the pitch we've already got all that information because he was coached by one of the Arsenal like team so uh, i i don't think this is a there let's face it there'd be nothing reactionary about this mm. this is there's been long-term interest in this player i just thought when we bought ramsdale we would have moved on yeah but then again arteta wanted Jorginho. 
he waited what three years and um he got Jorginho and uh, he he liked Rice at the start, he got him and now he's gonna after Raya as well. So maybe he just doesn't move on from his transfer targets. Once he wants someone, hmm. he's gonna keep his eye on them until he gets them. Yeah, it it would just be for me. It would be a real shame if Ramsdale were to be taken off that top spot. Um, with everything that he brings to the table, his personality alone is quite a big asset. It just helps yeah. us, doesn't it? When we're playing, especially in away games, he's really up for it. Um, he he, I don't know. I just feel like football today is more than how you play on the pitch. It is very much a game of personality as well. Um, somehow yeah. it, 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 it plays a role. It plays a role in the, in the modern, I think it always has played a role. Yeah, um, yeah it definitely the has the, those soft skills, by your leadership, your personality, how you carry yourself. That's the same from like grassroots with kids playing right up to like the professional game at the very, very top level. If you look at, Didier Drogba, for example, mm. a huge part of why he was such a dangerous player was because of his personality and who he was. And he was just a nightmare to play against because he didn't give defenders like a minute space. He was just in their ear, like bullying them the whole game. Even when the play was nowhere near them, Drogba would be causing problems. And again, that's that's the personality shining through and that impacts how you play the game. So but I agree. I think it would be a shame for Ramsdale to lose the number one spot. But then again, we want competition, so we can't yeah. complain whenever we get it. And we want to win the league, of course. Um, we do. So, yeah. Having said that, let's move on to uh, another really central uh, position, quite literally, <laughs> the centre-back um, position. And at the moment, we've got, well, we you know, our, our, our traditional uh, out and out centre backs are William Saliba, um, Gabriel, Rob Holding, and that's it. But we also have players who you can play in the yeah. So I was going to say we have players who can play in the centre back role, like Ben White, uh, Kivior, and Jurian Timber as well. Um, we're probably out of the three. We're we're more likely to see Kivior play as a centre back, but we have seen White being played as a centre back um, during the preseason when Arteta's decided to make changes. So, do you think, uh, for the meantime, we're okay in this department? Yeah, I think we're well stocked at centre back. Potentially next year, we look at an extra body in there, but. Right now, even if Holding leaves, I think we are well enough covered because Tommy Yasu can also play there. Mm. So it's we've got multiple people. Even Kieran Tierney can play as a left-sided centre-back. He's done it for Scotland many a time. And, um, and so I think at centre-back right now, we're fairly well stocked because there is also that you can't sign everyone in a window. You can't, the, the, as you mentioned with squad harmony, it's very important to keep the balance and you can only integrate so many players each year. We've seen what Chelsea did and it, it doesn't work. So really you're looking maybe at the most five, if five seems to work back in the day, that would have been insane adding five players in one window. Hmm. Like we got used to one player, a window under Arsene Wenger, maybe a young kid coming through as well. But so, yeah, I'd be reluctant to add too many, especially if we add Raya, that's four signings in the window, and then potentially someone like Kudus as well. So I think centre-back centre right now, we are fairly well stocked. Yeah, so I think the question that I should have been asking, because we started this off um, by talking about the outgoings. Who who do we yeah. see? I think Rob Holding. Yeah, being moved on, yeah. And, you know, we, we have... Been, he has been linked, sorry, to Besiktas in the Turkish league. Um, I haven't really heard much else from that. Uh, no, it's gone league. very quiet. I think Arsenal rejected the two and a half million offer out of hand. So, so yeah, which I uh, personally, I, I really like Rob Holding. I don't think he's good enough for Arsenal anymore. Mm. There was a point pre-ACL injury when he was playing in a back three under Emery and he looked like a really good player. He was really coming on. Probably, I thought at the time he would have got an England call-up. 
Mm. And then he's the ACL happened. He's never been the same player again. And his confidence is just rock bottom right now. So I, I would like to see him get a move to maybe a bottom half mid-table Premier League team. Yeah. Probably someone that plays with the back three. And I guarantee you've got a solid Premier League defender that probably goes on and has a relatively good career for the, the next like six years or whatever. So, so yeah, he's someone that I think we should be selling and I hope he goes and does well for himself. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, moving on to our fullbacks now. On the right-hand side, we've got uh, Timber. We've got Ben White. No, Timber plays left, doesn't he? So we've got Ben White. No, Timber plays right, but he played left again on... Yes, against, against Barcelona. Against Barcelona. Okay, cool. So we've got Ben White, Timber. We've got Kivio plays left, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, right. Let's start again. So <laughs> at right back, we've got we've got Timber White and Tomiyasu. Cedric plays there as well. No. Oh, I forget Cedric still. <laughs> How can you forget about Cedric? He's everywhere. <laughs> He's always there. So that's an easy answer. Then who do we need to move on? We need to move on Cedric. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so yeah, and um, so yeah, but that's that one. The three, the other three, Ben White, um, Tommy Asu, and Timber. Yeah, I think the the beauty of the three of them is they're all excellent right backs, and they can all play centre back. And Tommy Asu and Timber can both play left back as well. So you've got a lot of versatility with those mm. three players and. And I think they'll all push each other for a starting place. Uh, I've said before on the pod that last season, Tommy Asu actually played quite a few minutes because he was coming on around like 65, 70 minutes every week for Ben White. And it, that whenever Tommy Asu got injured, you noticed a big difference in Ben White because he wasn't used to playing the full 90 every week and suddenly he had to. So... I, I think with those three, we're really well stocked in that position now. Yeah, and I really like how they come with their each individual profiles as well. It's not as if they're very similar in the way they play. Ben White overlap. Yeah, uh, Tommy Asu's a little bit more physical and heavy, but he, you know, he he knows how to um, you know play as an offensive player as well. And um, Timber, well, we yet to see uh, what Timber can do in a competitive setting but so far he's shown a lot of promise and he's shown to be quite a versatile type of a fullback I guess a breed of uh, Tommy Asu and White um, so it'd be really exciting to see what kind of player we have there uh, on the on the other flank on the left hand side we've got I'm, I'm hoping to get it right first time um, Kieran Tierney uh, Zinchenko we've also got um, Kivior and Tavaj. Oh, we do, yeah. Yeah. So Tavaj is a player I th think will go. I kind of expected that to have already happened by now. Um, he's someone I would hope to get 15, maybe 20 million for. Uh, he had quite a good yeah, deal think, at Marseille, didn't he? Um, from what I read, it was fairly mixed. He had some really good games, some really poor games, a bit like at Arsenal. Mm. Where concentration's a major issue, and but again, this is a guy that's very, very inexperienced. He hadn't played a lot of football before he came to Arsenal, so we're we're seeing someone growing. But but yeah, at left back, he's the one that I think we we need to move on, and we can hopefully bring a decent fee in for him and get probably double what we've paid. And then the other one that is Kieran Tierney, whether we move him on or not, I don't think we need to sell him. I just think the fact that Timber played at left back the other day shows that probably Tierney's quite far down the pecking order, although he did come on and do well and he got an assist. It's just the way Kieran Tierney plays is very different to the way Arsenal play now. And again, that's that kind of ruthlessness coming in where Tierney was one of my favourite Arsenal players for a long time. Absolutely loved him, wanted him to be club captain. I just think that better players have come in and with the level around him rising, we're seeing his shortcomings. So I, I don't think we need to sell. I think it's a shame to see a player of that quality not getting 
loads of minutes, but he said that he's happy to stay and fight. And I think he actually likes being at Arsenal as well. So it'll be an interesting one. Personally, I would like him to stay because I think he's a top player. But if an offer comes in, I think we'd probably be daft to turn it down. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, having said that, it does seem like we've got a very good number of defenders in all different positions, um, lots of different variations as well. So despite, again, if we do sell Tierney, despite having only two left-sided fullbacks, you've got uh, Timbo who can who can play there. You've got um, Tommy Asu who has played there as well. So, yeah, on, on that front, I think we're looking pretty solid. Moving on to the midfield, um, portion of the pitch, a number of different types of positions. So within your centre mids, you've all you've obviously got the holding midfielders, you've got the um, sixes and the eights. Let's talk about um, the six role. Yeah, yeah. Start away from the back, moving forward. So at the six, we've got um, Partey, uh, Rice. El Neni, Jorginho. Jorginho, yep. And Lekong, would you put Lekong on this? No, you wouldn't, you wouldn't. You definitely yeah. wouldn't. You, you would know, you? is a weird know. one because mm. he's played six a lot of times for Arsenal. That's where he mainly played for us. Mm. I, I don't think he is actually a six. It's definitely not a lone six. But yeah, I think for me, it looks there's talk that he's going to go to Burnley on loan. And obviously, he worked with Vincent Company at uh, Anderlecht, was made club captain at a very young age and did very well under him. Company thinks very, very highly of Lekonga. I personally would have rathered him be sold and it be a permanent deal. But it could be that he goes to Burnley. Uh, company knows exactly how to use him and how he wants to use him and is able to develop him further. And then this time next year, he's either a bit more ready to come back to Arsenal and play or he's um, kind of more in demand in the market and someone's willing to pay a bit of cash for him. Yeah, and that leaves us with uh, Elneny, Jorginho, Partey and Rice. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot of players for that position um to be fair Elneny pretty much um you know I guess we, we can put him to the side because I guess he's accepted his position and he's sort of um, squad man yeah with all due respect to him I think he he's he's more than happy to play the almost mascot role um as as does uh I guess Rob Holding so to have com- competitive players who want to be pushing for first team starts between Rice Jorginho and Thomas Partey it seems pretty good yeah, and I think El Nani's one of those. He's a perfect player for the Cups. He's someone, when he comes in for one game, you, he can do a very good job. He keeps it simple. He rarely makes many mistakes. He just doesn't have... Cutting edge. Just not, yeah, he doesn't have that cutting edge that the others all have. And I think, again, the good thing about Declan Rice is we could see him in an eight role. So we could see a, a kind of more of a double pivot there. But... And with Pardee and Jorginho, I think we're we're very well stocked at six, especially now Pardee's staying. Yes, yes. Uh, f- thankfully and hopefully, uh, I don't want any last minute surprises come the end of the window. Um, yeah. Move on to the eight now. We've got. Um, I'm going to put him in here, despite you know having reservations. I think Smith Rowe will experience playing in the eight this season. So we'll do Smith Rowe, yeah. Fabio Vieira, um, Odegaard. And Havertz, so there's four. Yeah, and uh, it's worth noting. I wouldn't pin him to this, but Trossard has been playing there in preseason. Ah, uh, yes, and um, he, oh, more he's of a got... ten, ten slash eight. Yeah, so it's it's more of an advanced. Uh, mm. Yeah, it would be more of a ten that Trossard's playing. But yeah, I don't think we need to move on any of them. I'm very happy that Smith Rowe's staying and he looks really fit and lean and he looks in the best shape he's looked in it for years. Mm-hmm. And he looks like he's lost quite a bit of weight and he, he just looks ready to play. He's someone that we don't have another profile like Smith Rowe and there's very few in world football that play like him, move like him. And 
they're just really difficult to defend against. He's a player that kind of, when he receives the ball, he's got this like burst of energy straight away. And even he can be on the halfway line and you still feel like something's going to happen. So I could really see him doing well as an eight and he's got all the skills to do it. It's just getting the minutes now for him. And um, Havertz, Obviously, has been playing there in preseason. He looked pretty good against Barca. Yeah, I was just so, going to say, should we have a quick chat about him against Barcelona? Because he played 45 minutes um, and, he, and he looked like he was a, a lot more comfortable there. Uh, and it seems like he's growing in that position, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He Against United, I was looking at it thinking, you've got a lot to learn if you're going to play as an eight. <laughs> and I, I've, I've been quite open when we've been talking I, that I don't see Havertz as an eight. Yeah. But the the Barca game the other night, I was starting to see positionally him just looking much more disciplined. He's got a lot of hunger. He presses a lot. And um, you know, all his numbers for Chelsea back that up. I think he's got this languid bo- body language that makes him look lazy at times when actually he covers a lot of ground. He has a lot yeah. of sprints, a lot of presses. And if Arteta was asked about... Havertz versus Shaka, and he said that what do you mean by physicality I, um, I look at winning jewels runs all this and it was very interesting that it was quite clear it was I guess aggression rather than what Arteta classed as physicality the in the way the reporter was asking the question but I was impressed with him against Barca I thought he looked very good it's got, obviously got another preseason goal but the the big thing for me was his work off the ball that I was impressed with because that's where my doubts have been. And he's only going to get better the more minutes he plays in that role. I love that uh, word that you used to describe him, languid. Um, yeah. As I was watching him against Barcelona, I was thinking to myself, and you know, I've got this habit of making notes anytime I watch games. Even if I'm re-watching games, it just helps me to process things. And I was trying mm. really hard to pick out a word to describe uh, you know a particular um part of the game that I was watching and it would have been that languid just really like he looks really heavy footed and he looks really kind of disinterested but he's got this really uh, amazing way of bursting into life but also being able to create really nice um moments you know, sparks from that kind of body language, despite not showing the most, in, uh, you know, intensity or the most enthusiasm, those flicks, those little one touches, um, you know, that ball to put in Gabriel Jesus, I think, which Lovely led us pass. amazing, right? And it came from absolutely nothing. He kind of just stood still and just poked the ball <laughs> down the flank. Uh, Should have led to a goal, but um, yeah, the moments like that, I guess, where... Arsenal need a player like that. We, we, I think we've been we've been labelled as the side that plays at 100 miles an hour. And Xavi was a bit pissed off. <laughs> he seemed a bit pissed off when he mentioned that we, you know, we were playing the game as if it was, uh, it wasn't a tr- you know a, a friendly uh, match, as if it was a proper competitive game. So, but, um, but they did they did start with the full intensity right from the very start, and I think we responded to that. And I was glad to see us respond because. We let United kick us to bits, and mm. I think a lot of people were worried that Arsenal are going to be a side that sides are going to start kicking again. We'll get this reputation, and the only way to stop that reputation is by fighting back. And we did it against Barca. And we've got a lot of players in this in the squad now that love a scrap. Like Big Gabby lives for it. Yeah, but like even the likes of Zinchenko and Ben White and. Like you wouldn't want to mess with Saliba, uh, Declan Rice. Like these guys are all very big, strong players. Sinchenko's just like tiny little angry man, but yeah. And so is Jesus. <laughs> so again, Jesus is the first to throw himself into a scrap. Mm. In the days gone by, we didn't have those kind of players. I know Fabregas loved it, but there was a lot of players that would shy away if they were kicked and they were getting physical treatment. Whereas I think a lot of our players now actually embrace it. Like even Saka gets kicked a bit, but mm. it doesn't phase him. Yeah, so, our good friend Hugh Izzy would describe the previous players you're mentioning as soft dons, and I think it's, <laughs> it's I think it's right to um, point out that we've moved on from that 
period where if we get into a bit of a scrap, you can you can expect eleven, uh, you know, men in red and white to be charging, uh, which is yeah, it's, it's it is good to see. It's like night and day, isn't it, compared to the not to, not so long ago when we had players like Bamiyang, like I said, I don't want to, I know I keep pointing them out, but um, anytime I think about that, really, you know, ugh kind of moment in our in our um in our history um who's what game was it when arteta was almost got into a fight with someone and no one it's been a few of those yeah it just like but no one got involved no one no player on the pitch oh was it city last season when de bruyne pushed him yeah was it last no it wasn't last season yeah yeah that was in the uh game at the adihad there was another. I think it was. I'm thinking of another another game. You know, Bamiyang was captain. Still, it could have been Liverpool. Mm. He fought with Klopp on the touchline. He's, he's fought with a lot of people on the touchline. He loves it. He loves it. Yeah, he so. does love it, and we love to see it as well. Uh, all right, yeah. right. So moving on to the, I guess, should we ten, the ten roll? I mean, is do, do we? I don't know whether the we ten roll really, exists anymore. We don't really have a ten anymore. So I, I would class those players as eights now. Okay, because they they still do the work of a midfielder, but but yeah, the we. Of the players you mentioned, there's no one that I think we need to move on. The other than Sambi, yeah, other than Sambi, I do think that it's a position where we could use an extra body. Mm. I would like more of a a midfielder, a so someone that can play as an I guess an attacking midfielder like a Gundahan. So they're right. very much a midfielder, but they're on the more creative goal scoring side. And but they've still got that physicality, the kind of the build of a midfielder, if you know what I mean. Rather than a right now, the eights that we've got, a lot of them are very much tense. So yeah, yeah, I would just like. But I guess if Havertz is going to be playing there most of the time in Smithrow and so on, we do have the option of playing Declan Rice there if we do want that really solid player that can do the the defensive side as well. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see someone like Smith Rowe being that Gundogan type of player. I guess only time will tell because we're yet to exploit him in that position as much. But he does strike me as someone who doesn't matter where you put him, he wants to get down, down and dirty and just um, play. You know, um, yeah. one of those types of players who, yeah, very much just wants to get the ball to his feet. And you know, similar to what Trossard did against Barcelona, he was just here, there and everywhere. Got two mm. goals, you know, uh, deservedly man of the match. And yeah, we do need more players like that who are who are committing themselves to just playing everywhere, being, uh, you know, an all round. Um, who, who was it back in the day? Played for Chelsea, came from Ajax. Um, oh, Rude Hullet. It was Hullet, wasn't oh, yeah. it? Total footballer. He just he was everywhere. He played a centre back at the beginning and then ended up, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, scoring uh, the bulk of their goals for them. Um, I, I would like to see that next season. I would like to see someone just take the initiative to just be everywhere, have free reign, because that's when I mean, I mean you know, you could argue last season's. The, the the most success that we had on the pitch was the front three because they were able to do anything that they wanted to. One minute they were playing right, then they were playing centre, then you'd see them on the left, and it worked. You know, it confused the defenders. It gave the, it gave us freedom to, um, you know, just enjoy and um, have the ability to to play wherever we wanted. Um, and because you know all three players are really good and have great qualities about them um, and they're so clinical we were able to score a hell of a lot of goals yeah. uh, so it would be nice to see that all right moving on to the let's start off with our center forwards um, we've got three of those in Jesus Inketia and Balogun um, I think safe to say that Jesus will be staying this season it's between yeah. and, and and now it does seem like Nketiah and Balogun could both be on their way out. Yeah, there there are rumours of a, a Crystal Palace offer. So that came from Football London on Friday of a £34 million bid. Palace have been linked to Nketiah for quite a number of years now. So 
I don't know if it's true. I, that hasn't been followed up by anyone else. And I put a tweet out saying that I thought Arsenal should accept that offer if it comes through. I got probably the most division I've ever had on a tweet. Some people were adamant he's worth 50, which I, I don't see. He scored 14 Premier League goals. Um, yeah. If For me, if an offer came through for Inkeria that was around 34 million, and it gave us the opportunity to upgrade on him, the key being upgrade, I think mm-hmm. we should take it. Because I think he's a good player. I think he, he's a very good player. I just don't think he's a title-winning good player. And in that nine position, I think Jesus is phenomenal. I think he adds so much to our team. But again, I think he's someone that he needs competition as well. And I don't think Enkedia is the man that can offer that competition. I think, if anything, Trossard's now our second-choice striker. And... Enkedi is probably third. And I, I just think my gut says if Jesus was out, and I know Enkedi has played in preseason, but I think if it came to crunch time, Arteta would pick Trossard in that nine role. I think they he's reliable. Um, and I, I, th- I also believe that if Enkedi was really good enough to play for Arsenal, he would get more minutes. Like, Saka and Martinelli have proven that you can force your way into Arteta's team. And if you're good enough, he will pick you, he'll play you. And we've seen Saliba do it. Like we spent 50 million on Ben White and Saliba came back and just earned his place straight away. And like once Jesus is top quality, he's there are better strikers out there than Gabriel Jesus. And if Enkedia was really good enough, he would be earning more minutes because managers play players that they trust. And the the lack of minutes to me just says that he's not quite good enough and he's a player that can do a job. But if there's an option to upgrade, I would definitely be all over that. And then obviously with Balogun as well, again, I would love to see Balogun stay. We, we've both talked about this quite a, a lot this summer. Yeah. But... Say you were able to get 34, 35 million for Enkedia and 45 for Balogun, that's pulling in 80 million that you could potentially go and reinvest on a striker that would really add something different to what Jesus does and really push him and get the minutes and give Arteta the option to rotate a bit more. Yeah, if we're talking about balancing the books and, you know, uh, trying to recoup some of that money that we've spent, those two players are looking like uh those to 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 do it you know to be bringing in 85 potentially 90 mil and because you know up until this point of the conversation we haven't sold much have we <laughs> we we probably got 15 or 20 odd mil um from the players that we're kicking out so which includes uh well t- you wouldn't put Turner in there if it's a loan to buy maybe Rob Holding Cedric maybe Tavage um, and that's it, you know, you're looking at 15, 20 mil and then with Nketiah and Balogun hoping to, to, to take us over the hundred mil line. Um, there are a few others as well, um, down the right hand side at the moment, it's just Bakayo Saka and potentially Reese Nelson as well. Uh, although I do love seeing Nelson playing down the left hand side, but how many players are you going to have on that, on that side? So Saka yeah. and Nelson at the moment. Yeah, and Nelson has mainly been used on the left, which is also the worry that I've got. And this is why someone like Kudis really ticks a lot of boxes because he can play on the right wing, he can play up front, and he can play in midfield. So there's potential of him playing as an eight. But you've got someone that can cover three roles and he scores a lot of goals, he gets a lot of assists. So he definitely seems like someone that could do that job for us. And with the versatility aspect, the I, I'm, I always say to people, it, just because a player can play three positions, they can only play one position at once. But the, the key to versatility is having a fully stocked squad. So it, now that we've got the players in pretty much every position, if you added someone like Kudus that can play three positions, the real value is, they can come in up front, they can come in on the right wing, which means they're always getting minutes. So it's not like someone who can only play on the right wing and 
your competition's Bikawa Saka and you're going to get 10 minutes at the most at the end of a game. Someone who can play two or three different roles and also and one being the role they're covering for Saka can still be getting minutes, so they're always fresh. And I think that's the key with versatility. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and finally, down the left-hand side, we've got uh, Martinelli. Oh, sorry, hold on a minute. We've got... <laughs> We've completely forgotten about Nicola Pepe. <laughs> have we done that? We have. Um, I, I think it's just because he's kind of been exiled. Yeah, he's, he's, he's probably on his way out, isn't he? Yeah. Um, I, 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 he's definitely got no future at Arsenal. Again, Pepe's a shame because I think he's someone that... There is a player in I, there. I mean, I know he's had a, his really bad, horrible years at Arsenal where it's just been one frustration to another but we've seen moments where there is definitely potential for a player to you know he he needs the right environment he needs the right club and yeah he also needs the right coach because he's been through free free coaches right um yeah and yeah there's definitely a player in there he's just not it's not the right fit at arsenal he's he talked quite openly about his style and the way Arsenal play now that he really struggles in that possession-based game. Mm. But I really don't understand why someone hasn't taken a punt on them, especially a team that plays like transitional football where you are running into space because he's as good as anyone doing that. He's got a wand of a left foot and he, he's got a lot of quality, but it just, it hasn't worked out. And I also think it's, probably been made out that he's had a worse time at Arsenal than he actually has. Like his first two seasons, he was decent and he scored quite a few goals for us. It's just the price tag was ridiculous. He should never have cost what he did. And uh, he, it's kind of been held over his head ever since. Yeah. Okay. So moving on finally to the right-hand side, um, Martinelli and... Is that it? No, Martinelli, Martinelli, Trossard, Marquinhos as well. And um, Marquinhos is more right. I I think he'll go out and loan. That's what I feel with Marquinhos. He's not ready for first team, but he's another one. I think there's a player in there. Whether it gets him to Arsenal standard or not, I don't know. But another loan, we'll see what he's like next year. there's also Smith Rowe can play on the left wing. That's where he's always played for Arsenal. Yeah. And um, Trossard as well. So I, I would say, and Nelson, on the left, we are very well stocked. There's a lot of people. And Kenny has been tried there in preseason, although I, I don't like that fit. Uh, so, yeah, the, the left wing is definitely somewhere that I think we're pretty well set. And the, the great thing about that position is we've got a lot of different profiles. It's if you've got a Trossard, you've got a bit of a controller in there. Martinelli can stretch and he's he can do a bit of everything. But again, like Nelson's great in a deep block because of the way he runs at players. And we do really have variety in that role. So it's somewhere that I wouldn't be looking at adding anyone else. Yeah, well, that's it really. We've gone through the entire Arsenal squad. It seems like we're only looking at three to four exits. Um, just a quick recap. We've got, well, those that we, we can recoup monetary value for um, is Rob Holding, Cedric. Um, we have got Nketiah, potentially, Balogun and Nicola Pepe. Maybe. Yeah, and I think th- then more academy products as well. So you've got um, Aconquo, um, Hein, mm-hmm. uh, Patino, yeah. potentially Norton Coffee, but I think he'll go on another loan. And But yeah, that group of players. Tavaj. Who, who knows what those kids will bring in. And then you've got Tavaj. There's also Austin Trusty, Trusty who yeah. apparently Arsenal want about eight million for okay and um so again these players that haven't really been involved with the first team Mm. but this is something that chelsea have done really well for years where they sell like academy players or they buy players loan them out for a year and sell them at a profit so quite often it's players that they know aren't going to be good enough to play at chelsea 
yeah. but they're good enough to turn a profit on very quickly. And they were very good at that side under Abramovich. And right now they're just a complete mess. But it's um, hopefully something that we become better at because it's a great way of kind of managing your finances, balancing the books, and just kind of potentially spotting the old gem here and there. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, the good news in doing this exercise is that it looks like we will be bringing in about 100-odd mil. Um, worst case scenario, let's say maybe 70, right? Um, who am I kidding? It's probably going to end up being 25, 30. <laughs> um, yeah. Kind of business that we do. Yeah, I wonder what we'll get from Matt Turner as well. Obviously, if it's a loan with an obligation, we, we'll see. I've seen some people suggest 20 million, which seems quite high, yeah. but let's, let's wait and see. Um, but the good thing is there's there's a market for quite a few players. The the ones that we're struggling to get rid of are kind of pre-Edu on Arteta, and then Cedric's the only one that they brought in. But that was a free transfer, and it's another one. I don't think Cedric's been the worst signing for us. He was a free transfer that we got in at a very strange time and he's done the job for the most part i don't think it was ever intended that he would play the number of games that he actually did but he's not good enough for arsenal and it's just one i think will probably terminate his contract yeah okay uh just a few other talking points before we end the show this was supposed to be a 50 minute show we're approaching the hour mark but i feel like it's been a really nice um moment that we've been able to share to just stop pause for a moment and see what's happened and then we can press the resume button um on wednesday when we're back at the emirates and we we you know we will be going back to the emirates with a lovely surprise uh, waiting for us there which is the official statue of monsieur arsene wenger uh, what, what do you what did you what did you make of it when you first saw it yeah, I think it looks good. I think it's it's great that we've chosen kind of that image. It's his, I guess, crowning moment at Arsenal, the thing that still no one has ever done. So, so yeah, it looks really good. Glad to have it up there. And hopefully he does become more involved in the club again because Arteta very much seems to want him to. I think he... He brings something whenever he comes. And I think enough time's passed now that Arsenal are in a much better place. Fans are in a different place. And it would be good to just have him around the club a bit more. Yeah, and I was going to ask you that, actually. Is it time to bring him home? Is it is this the perfect time period? Is this the season where we, we, we bring in him bring him in for some sort of a role and if so what role would you give him would you would it be like an advisory role for um, Arteta or would it be you know more of a a, 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 a um, what's the word I'm thinking of um, like a director type a, role a, spot, or... a spot at the table um, yeah um, I don't know if I would give him a role at the club so mm. How comes? I, I find that really strange because, and and this this sentiment comes from a lot of fans, but I can't seem to grasp that um, notion of you know not bringing him back. Um, I mean, at the beginning, it, it made sense because it was all still very fresh, and uh, you know we would uh, be risking bringing back the feelings and all of that negative energy. But we've since passed that stage, and we've built something really good. Is he just not right um, anymore to be, or or is it the fact that his presence is so um, big that you you don't risk uh, undermining what Arteta has done? Um, I think it's it's. I don't think it would. Any, I don't think anything would undermine Arteta. I think the man's got balls of steel, and mm. he. I I don't think Arsene Wenger having a role at the club would undermine Arteta in any way. It's just, I, I'm not a big fan of managers coming back to a club and being given a role like that. It's He was at Arsenal for a long, long time and we had some really great years under him. And it ended on a very negative, toxic way that I think 
like he should have gone a few years before he actually did. And but that aside, I just think the game has really moved on, and that was one of the issues where like he didn't he was very open about the fact he didn't want a director of football, he didn't want um even when Sven Mitzelentak came in, he, he wasn't best pleased with that. That was so I, I would find it ironic if he was brought back to do the kind of role he was always against. So I think he probably speaks to Arteta quite regularly. The like you have to remember Arteta played for him for five years and in his Arteta's last year at the club, he didn't play much football. He was very much there to be a, a squad man. And it was because Arteta loved his or Wenger loved his character. So I would say they do probably talk a lot and he probably does advise him. I think I would just like to have him around the club a bit more and in attendance and so on. But I think the decision mm. will ultimately be down to him. I think the, the door's very much been opened for him and he's been welcomed back. It's now just a case of him choosing to actually come back. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be keen on an actual role. I think at United, Fergie's presence... Yeah, I was has, just going to say that. I don't think it's done United any good. And I think under certain managers, especially Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, when Ferguson basically stepped in and got them to sign Ronaldo, mm. I don't think Ole had any intention on bringing him back. And whilst I don't think Arsene Wenger would do that, I think Arsene's a very different character. And But yeah, I, I'm not quite sure what value he would bring other than... Maybe that's harsh. Well, I think it's it's more a case of football heritage, isn't it? It's more a case of uh, the grandeur, you know, Arsenal's profile and brand further strengthening that. And some some are going to listen to this and think, well, who who the hell cares? What does it matter if uh, Arsenal's brand is strong or weak? What should matter is the football and the pitch. But it all makes an impact. It all has a it makes a difference and it has an impact on the pitch. If you know, I mean, the the, the boys will know better than anyone else at Colney, uh, the environment that's created there, the feelings that you get when you walk through those doors and when you have a good training session with someone like Arsene Wenger being in and around that environment, you're looking at the young players like Bakayo Saka, Martinelli, those that have been that have come through the academy and that have witnessed greatness with um, Arsene at the helm and then to see him kind of being present as well, surely it, it further strengthens them as individuals as well, building their character to another level and also giving them that extra bit of confidence. Yeah. No, I I, I, I agree with you. It's, it's a strange one because I guess it also depends on what kind of role Arsene wants. The guy is 73 years old now and it's, does he want something where he's around a club a lot? Does mm. he want like I, again? I don't know the extent of his role at FIFA. What is actually done there? And then there, there's also the financial side. To think of he's going to be making an absolute killing at FIFA. He was always very handsomely paid by Arsenal when he was there. So it's yeah. like, what do you want him to do? That means obviously giving up the role at FIFA. And um, so yeah. I guess it's almost like an ambassador type thing. Yeah. That, um, but it's whether he wants to do that or not. So, so yeah, I guess it's a, very much a let's see what happens kind of situation. Yeah, let's get him back in the stands first, and then we can have a chat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of position that we need to take at, the, at this moment in time. Um, all right. And finally, before we end the show, just a quick look at Wednesday and the game against Monaco. Um, very much a tradition. Now, Arsenal have made the Emirates Cup. Usually, it's played on the weekend, but we do have a matter of the community shield. Um, so, it's been moved to the Wednesday evening. And we do know at the moment, Rice, Zinchenko and Balogun are out. Um, do you expect to see any of them back? Yeah, the, the report said that Rice was precautionary for, for Barcelona. It was a calf injury. And uh, he was expected to be back for Monaco. So I do expect him to be back. I think Balogun's got a calf injury as well. And um, that was why he was training alone uh, last week when we thought he was being kicked out. Mm. And um, it, But yeah, 
I'm not sure what is the updates are with him. There hasn't been much there. But on Declan Rice, the news is very much that he's expected to play. So yeah. it was very much a light injury. So hopefully he's back. And it's Declan Rice. He's, he's a bit like Shaka. He just doesn't get injured very often. So I think any kind of muscle tightness and with preseason as well, you can build up a lot of lactic acid, whatever it is, especially in your calves and with the, the intensity of training. So that it could very much just be a precaution and we've paid 105 million for them. They're not going to be risking them if, mm. uh, if they don't need to. So, so yeah. Um, and then obviously Zinchenko's out as well. And um, I think he's still going to be out for a bit longer. Mm. Okay. Uh, good stuff. Right, I think it's that time of the show again where, unfortunately, we must say goodbye. Uh, I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's listened up until this point. Thank you very, very much. If you did enjoy this episode, please do give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let us know what you thought of the show by reaching out to us on Twitter. You can find us over there at Arsenal Therapy. You can also find Adam over there at AdamKeys underscore. And you can find myself over there at GunnarSince96. As always, we will be back next week to give you your usual weekly dose of Arsenal therapy. Well, not particularly next week, next week, a lot earlier than that. In a good few days' time um, after the Emirates Cup has commenced. Uh, But if you can't wait until then, head over to the Arsenal Therapy YouTube channel for the 15-minute show, where we'll be taking you through all the latest bits of Arsenal updates. That's every Tuesdays and Thursdays. I do say 8.30 a.m., but I think, <laughs> I think at that point, at this point, we're still trying to figure it out. Um, in the a.m. would be the safest way to put it. Uh, and yes, you guessed it. The show is indeed 15 minutes long slash 20, 21, 22 minutes. Can go over by a little bit. Um, but yeah, uh, until then, take care of yourselves. Have a lovely week and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Bye bye. <laughs>